Welcome to the Esports Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Correa, talking, of course, about the latest and greatest things happening within the esports industry, not just in the U.S., but sometimes the continent of North America, all encompassing here on the on the, on the podcast. And so let's bring in our latest guest who uh, has some really great developments happening in the area of, of event spaces and venues. Let's welcome in Chris Overholt, president and CEO of Overactive Media. Chris, thank you for taking uh, time out of your extremely busy day, I'm sure, extremely busy week to come on the show and talk about this awesome development you guys had at overactive and of course uh, i will say uh, chris overholt is a really ba name just fyi <laughs> <laughs> well listen uh thanks for having me it's great to be with you and uh, i appreciate the break from budgets and planning we're in the middle of all that this week so uh, yeah, welcome to break. And again, great to be with you and your uh, listeners. Awesome. So, of course, if you don't know who Chris Overholt is, he's uh, I mean, what, uh, executive roles of sports teams for, what, 25-ish years now, from the Raptors in the NBA to the Maple Leafs, the Florida Panthers, Dolphins, the whole shebang, even a little bit of, of, a, of a stint with the uh, Canadian Olympic Committee. And now you're you're the head of uh, Overactive Media, who has teams like what Toronto Ultra and Defiant, the CDL champs Toronto Ultra, I might add. Uh, the Mad Lions from the LEC and and all that organization over there in Europe. So you you guys have been uh, running the gamut lately. Uh, congrats on the Ultra winning uh, their their latest CDL champ, and and uh, I hope you were pretty satisfied with that victory there. Actually, I have to correct you. I'm sorry. Oh, tell me, we please. Were, yeah, Kevin, we were finalists in CDL. Oh my we goodness. lost to uh, uh, Atlanta Phase in the final. We won a we won a major. Um, I, two, I, I misread guess. my notes here. It was CDL champs runner ups. I should say that. Yeah, uh, that's right. A flub yeah, on my end. But but what uh, what we uh, what we did manage to achieve is uh, with League of Legends in uh, when our team based in uh, Madrid plays in Berlin. Uh, our European League of Legends team, our Mad Lions team, are back to back European champions in the LEC. Very nicely and, done. Uh, we're working. I'm actually in our Red Bull studio right now, watching our um, our Call of Duty Ultra team train. Uh, they're working on uh, Call of Duty Vanguard and uh, getting ready for a coming season. And uh, we're uh, we're coming for them again. We we expect this team to be rivaling uh, all of those in the league and competing for a championship once again this year. Apologies on mind again. Of course, that is the ultra runner up uh, for the CDL. Still very impressive. Better than my my hometown back here, <laughs> Dallas Empire. So, well, no longer Dallas Empire. Well, it's a whole <laughs> shebang there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of uh, re- regurgitating and, and re- rememorizing things over here. But uh, the biggest news for you guys, of course, you guys had the conceptual design for the performance venue, the over overactive media performance venue approved by the tor- uh, by the exhibition place board of governors. In case you don't know exhibition place is a mixed use district i would say right in toronto kind of entertainment dining stuff like that a bunch of places to go kind of entertain yourself and right there in the middle of it will be the performance event you guys have drawn up and of course i'm sure you've been kind of going this over your head for the past year year and a half uh, what is the importance of a physical venue for a growing digital age i mean how important is it to have a space where people can come and congregate when it comes to either watching east sports event or kind of just enjoying a concert what is the the the, the big deal behind a physical venue yeah uh, thank you i uh, listen i um i would go back comfortably to the earliest days of forming overactive media before i'd even started actually uh, i was just recounting the story to someone else this afternoon we had a uh, we had a board meeting before i'd even left the olympic committee and um one of the first things we said to each other in that meeting was we should be thinking about our own venue in the city 
And more than that, we should be thinking about building out a strategy for a performance venue because the company that we had in mind, the, the company that we wanted to build was a modern expression of Madison Square Garden or in this country, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, uh, a 21st century sports media and entertainment company for today's generation of fans. Fans that think differently about their sport choice, about uh, their media and entertainment choices. And we knew that there was a gap in the marketplace. We knew that if we could figure out the land and the right space, uh, that if we could build a venue that would be first for music and entertainment acts that landed this market, now the fourth largest market in North America and one of the global leading markets for music and entertainment, that if we could do that, we could all at once build ourselves a very convenient home for our two great esports teams, but we could also be leaders in the entertainment discussion in the city and this country build out a global hub for, for esports and set ourselves apart in a number of ways as, a, again, a new age company. So we're building a home for today's generation of fans. Again, it'll be a great home for our two teams, Toronto Ultra and Toronto Defiant. Um, but really what it will be is our bold step in the direction of the entertainment pillar of our sports media and entertainment company. Of course, it's something I don't think we've ever really seen before. We, we haven't seen something built up around uh, an esports organization, if you will, to kind of be a physical pillar of the community, which is awesome to hear and awesome to see that you guys are, are working, you know, spearheading the way towards that. And so uh, from my notes here, I'm reading you guys had you spent eight months with some partners kind of developing this unique vision. I mean, what partners in specifically like, helped uh, Overactive achieve this, this kind of next step you guys have planned for the future of, uh, I guess, Toronto Cityscape? Yeah, well, you know, again, as I as I just shared, I mean, the, the concept of being in this business uh, goes back three years. Literally, uh, October first, twenty eighteen, was the first day of uh, of Overactive Media, and and so we just had our third anniversary this past month. Um, and and again, we started talking about the venue from early days. Um, we didn't actually get to having identified a land opportunity until April last year, in twenty twenty, um, and uh, and then. Soon thereafter, we uh, we got um, we got Bob Hunter on board. So again, you might know Bob Hunter's mm -hmm. name. Uh, he was my colleague at Maple Leaf Sports all those years ago. Uh, he was on point for the development, uh, along with uh, all of us on the executive team at the Air Canada Centre, now the Scotiabank Arena at the time. Uh, so he was on that executive team, and then stayed on with Maple Leaf Sports for those years to build out the Raptors practice facility, the TFC practice facility. Uh, BMO Field, which is where TFC plays, again, on the exhibition grounds. And so, Bob, just tremendous experience in the country and in the um, in the industry and in the city, very familiar with all the political stakeholders and all of those that are uh, engaged down in that, that part of the city. And again, with great experience building projects out with them and, and in partnership with them. So, you know, Populous is our design architect. Um, we went to them right away and got them engaged, again, world leading in every way. And Terrific people, just a great team, and have been so flexible with us as we've got along in this journey together. Um, but the other partners that we're referencing in that discussion are, are the city partners, the city real estate board, the board of governors at Exhibition Place, uh, the mayor's office, uh, even at some level, the provincial uh, leadership. All of them have been engaged. All of them have been uh, wonderfully supportive of the idea. And uh, and again, you know, whenever you Whenever you put an idea like this forward, um, you have to have an early engagement with all of those I just mentioned to make sure that, again, everybody can be happy with the project. As you say, if it's going to be a pillar of a community, then, of course, your political stakeholders need to be aligned. And a big part of that over the last eight months, as you mentioned, has been around design of the venue, 
making sure that it's you know on point with uh, what the Exhibition Place Board of Governors have in mind for their vision of that district, um, and that it's strategically aligned with you know even the architectural design of the other buildings on the property, and that it's complementary to all of that. So that's the work that Bob and Populous and I and others have been doing. And uh, as you say, we're almost uh, we're almost there. So it feels pretty good. For, for sure, for sure. And so obviously no groundbreaking plan as of yet. There's still some, some steps to take care of. But in terms of getting approval from Exhibition Places Board of Governors, I mean, what questions did they need to answer for? What, what, what kind of, uh, I guess, in terms of just planning that they have to have an expectation for? And what next steps uh, need to happen for this to kind of have a finalized groundbreaking in day, uh, you know, a date in, in, in place and then have a, a completion date while, well, you know, it's 2025 or so, but to have all that set into stone and kind of planned out, what kind of parameters did the board of governors place on you guys? Yeah, uh, I would, I would hesitate to refer to them as parameters, but more uh, just again, finding alignment around the vision for that part of the city um, exhibition place for those who know the city know that it's in the lower portion of the west end of downtown. It's right adjacent across the street from the lake, which is a spectacular vista. And there's another development, uh, historical development on um, uh, adjacent to the property called the uh, Stanley Barracks. And um, and again, there's been new construction taking place in this uh, in this part of the city uh, over the last few years, and there's more imagined. Uh, in in all of the vision as it gets executed in the coming years. So finding your place in that design and that vision is, of course, really important. Making sure that, you know, little things like the massing of the building, it's not too overpowering, that it fits, again, consistent with the existing structure. Again, there are a lot of historical properties in and around that site, uh, you know, more than 100-year-old facilities uh, that that exist down there. And so Again, if we're if we're good at one thing as a city, we're good at being sensitive to those things, both as a city and as a country. I think appropriately, and and um, and so most of the work has been done again, coordinated with populists to make sure that we fit into the plan there, and then it was complementary to the other aspects of the site um, as we talked about. The um, uh, as for the plan going forward, again, we'll um, we'll get to city council. We think next month. And at this moment, don't see any hurdles to getting uh, their approval for the project. So we do believe we'll have the political support um, aligned by the end of the year. Uh, we're working already on, um, on the partnership that will go with standing the venue up. So I think we've been fairly clear from the beginning. But in case, um, in case you missed it and your listeners missed it, we, uh, we certainly imagine to have a partner in the venue. Um, you know, overactive media is not an experienced venue operator. So, uh, we don't, we don't want to pretend to know what we don't know. And we have said from the beginning, we would expect to have a partner on the, on the entirety of the project. So we are working on that and have been for now more than a year. Uh, we are working, um, also with the Kimmels who are our principal investors and shareholders. Um, they, uh, they are in the hospitality business. They're in the food and beverage and hotel business. Uh, they own a great collection of restaurants, both here in Canada and down in South Florida. And more recently, just opened up a great hotel project in North Miami with Pharrell Williams and David Grutman and Live Nation down there. So um, they'll put together the ownership group and the cap table around the hotel. Again, Overactive Media has no plans to be in the hotel business. Uh, there's a, as, um, as you know, there's a 400-room hotel attached to this venue project, but that's not for us. Again, the Kimmels will, will organize all of that. So uh, once those things are, uh, are aligned and set, then, of course, the next thing we need to do is, uh, is secure the financing necessary. Again, we've started that project, but 
All this to say, we think we could be in a place where we could choose to put a shovel in the ground about this time next year. Wow. So roughly a year away if all if all things go well and no hurdles are presented. So 2025 is, is currently the projected uh, completion date sometime in 2025, I believe. Uh, so the overactive media performance venue uh, partner uh, is still pending for you guys and you're working hard on that as well. So obviously we're well into, I guess not well into, we're, we're a few months into a post-pandemic period, right? Uh, this venue hosts, you know, 7,000 people roughly. 200 events a year. It's going to be your home for all your teams uh, in North America that are based here, of course. Uh, based on your previous experience working in the sports sector, right? You have 25 plus years there. Does this feel more like a, a bigger push to make esports a bona fide sporting event? No longer just like a little rinky dick venue here and there, or we're just going to have to put, you know, uh, rent out a hotel space. No, this is going to be like a, an actual uh, for the people esports uh, setting. Well, uh, I would say a couple of things about that. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, I think esports already is a bona fide sport and entertainment property uh, in all ways. And the only thing you need to look at uh, to validate that is what happened just this past weekend around League of Legends World Championships. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you're aware of the, the audience numbers that viewed that final game between Edward and uh, Daywon. I'm sure you're aware of the great masses of people that aggregated in that plaza in China to cheer for their team. <laughs> Like you can't convince me that this isn't already uh, a sport for today's generation of fans. And, you know, as soon as my generation can come around to that way of thinking, we'll all be better off in our business than in our industry. <laughs> so, uh, but I want to stress that that's not, that's not the venue we're building. This isn't the reason that we're building this venue. We're building this venue because we're going to be a sports media and entertainment company. The P and L of this business is driven by the assumption of 180 to 200 events a year in this venue that are largely music and entertainment, comedy shows and award shows, gala dinners and product launches. It's a facility for the city, for the country, for the world to gather and celebrate music, arts, entertainment, lifestyle. And in that, I would include esports. But the esports piece of the PL is not the driver of the business outcome. It's it's the positioning as a as an entertainment company, and this is our home to aggregate our audience and to give today's generation of fans a home. For sure. And so obviously Toronto being a, a global city, if you will, it's a city where it's a, it's a huge destination sure. across the world. This is something to, to, that will serve the world, not just Toronto itself, but it will, you know, not, not that Toronto's going to say no to, 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 to more tourists, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also say that while, you know, again, it's entertainment first in the ways that I've described, we certainly know that we're going to build a great venue for our two teams. And more than that, uh, we certainly imagine a very advanced tech delivery in this venue, um, a, a backbone, if you will, that will set this venue apart in a number of ways, both, again, for the music entertainment industry, but also for the esports business. And so we also believe that we're building a global hub for esports. Mm -hmm. We believe that done properly, it'll be, you know, it'll be the mecca for esports for our two teams, but also a great opportunity for the world to land every time they're looking for a world class city whether it be Riot or Valve or Activision Blizzard or Epic in the future, when they're looking for a great city site, our venue will be one of those considered among those leading in the world. 
For sure, for sure. And then obviously, I wanted to talk about the design a little bit more. I know you mentioned that the the design of the building itself had to kind of match the surroundings, but the interior was kind of, it, from based on the, the concept work that I saw and the, the images that were coming out, it looks otherworldly, even for entertainment, even for esports. I mean, the building itself is situated on a waterfront, has an in-bowl design, looks really crazy with, with next to the hotel tower and everything. Judging from the images itself, I mean, how much thought went into, I guess, the interior design? so far because I know things will change in the future but I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys are kind of figuring out as you go along with the development process of this but how, how much foresight is going into this interior design I know Populous is working with you on that so I'm just curious this this interior is going to look something crazy and so is it going to stay that way things are going to change what's happening there yeah so one of the great um, we found a lot of efficiency in the redesign uh, but we we barely touched the experience inside and so the capacity hasn't changed still 7200 seats is the plan um, but again in the last eight months we found a lot of efficiency in the cost and, and in the structure and in the necessary redesign work that we did so that was great but you know as you point out from the uh, early days we really challenged populace to build us and something iconic but we really you know we're not building every every man or every woman's theater here. We're we're trying to build something that would be um, iconic and and would take its inspiration from the great kind of theaters of of the world. And so, Populous took us through this long exercise of looking at the great theaters in New York and in Great Britain, in London, of course. And and we looked at various design elements, you know, things from how we would manage the seating and the rake of the of the seats to. Um, you know, the notions of, of um, balcony seating and, and how we could accommodate. And again, um, what I think we will produce is something that, again, feels unique onto itself. And, and uh, again, can be a great experience for a John Legend show just as easily as it could be for a Toronto Defiant competition. For sure. And so, I mean, I'm just looking at the images again. I'm, I'm so impressed with the design. I mean, I'm here in Texas, so I have Esports Stadium Arlington to, to my north over here. And yeah. that's, that's attached yeah. to a rinky-dink Sheraton Hotel. No offense. That Sheraton Hotel has been there for 50 years. And so, well, well we have had... On. <laughs> hold on a second. Kevin, I was just in that facility. In fact, I'm looking at a business card. Um, I, I, had a, I had a tour when I was down in Dallas a month or so ago. And I think what they've done, uh, with every respect, I think what they've done there with that facility is amazing yes. and great vision and great flexibility and really, you know, really rendered, uh, you know, I'll call it an old economy convention space, newly relevant in the context of a very popular industry in your city and state. Right? Fair, fair, fair. And, and again, I think with great intention around fan building and with great design and consideration around event production, like I really think it's very, very well done. And in fact, when we get just a little further down the line, I expect to call on my friends from, from Dallas Envy to, uh, and, and from the Empire to, to help us, I guess now Optic, <laughs> to help us with uh, some of the work that they did there because I think it is quite smart and informed and Again, I had about an hour and a half tour when I was in there and particularly around technology and production. I think they did a very good job. So, um, yeah, listen, you know, the Philadelphia project, I'm not sure exactly where Comcast project is around the fusion or whether or not they've, they've carried on with that. Um, I think they have, yeah. um, there, there are a couple of others that I know are in development that will look, will continue to look in on for inspiration and help. But what I love about this community is, um, it's so close knit, right? Everybody's there to support. Uh, it's a great, especially in these leagues um, around Activision Blizzard's properties. Like we're a close knit group. Many of us overlap in the two leagues, right? So we all know each other and 
we talk every day about our businesses. And I was just on a call earlier with all the Overwatch owners. And um, there's a lot of sharing and willing support going on. And I'm sure as we get into this, we'll have others want to visit in on us and look at what we're doing too. So it's great. I mean, for all those years in the sport business, one of its great strengths was the way we all came together. We would compete with each other on the court or on the ice or on the field. But, you know, as far as our markets, uh, you know, and developing strategies for ticket sales and marketing partnerships and all of those things, we oftentimes work together and strategized against how we can help each other. And I love that about sport. I love about I love the collegial kind of community that surrounds it. And it's true for esports as it was for basketball and football and hockey. You know, for sure. And obviously, uh, some of your, your counterparts in Vancouver from Enthusiast Gaming are uh, seeing, you know, they're, they're very happy for you, yeah. of course. A little, little jealous, a little tinge of de- jealousy from what I've been. Hey, listen, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, there will be aspects that I would trade for a $500 million market fair. cap. Fair, so, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Adrian and Manash and the group are doing great. And uh, we cheer for them, too, because, you know, again, rising tides, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Listen, uh, those guys are, they're about, in my estimation, they're about three years ahead of us, right? They went public in the very week that we were starting our company three years ago. And so uh, they brought great vision to their business and are growing it in leaps and bounds. And uh, we're taking a slightly different approach. They're, I would say they're more of a media ad tech company. And our, our focus is driving, you know, our esports business today and our broader media and, and sports strategy. But um, yeah, listen, I mean, those... I'd like to think that we're the beginning of a great success story. And I think what Adrian and Manash and others have built over there, uh, equally strong. So we're proud both, I know, to be representing Canada and Toronto in that way. For sure. For sure. And obviously, you mentioned the support from the esports community and how collegial it all was and how, you know, just, just very open you guys are helping out each other. What reactions have you seen from people outside the, the industry, from people you know, on city council, from others in the region and across Canada? What have you seen in terms of responses to this news about the, this performance venue you guys have planned? Yeah, you know what? It's been great. I mean, uh, the first announcement we did, I think, gathered about 450 million global media impressions. And I was just looking at the number um, on our uh, announcement most recently, but I think it was in the neighborhood of 250 million globally. So, I mean, we're getting great news and coverage around the world, literally. And, um, you know, the support locally, as I've said already, they've been all of our political stakeholders have been great partners and supportive of the idea. And, you know, it's it's nice for us because, uh, you know, it's, it, it's self-serving to our business, of course, but, you know, all those years in the Olympic committee and doing the work proudly alongside the athletes and coaches, it's, um, you know, what was always nice for me. And I know for all of us that worked at the Olympic committee is, is that work felt like it was always something for the country. And in its own way, I think the venue feels like that too. I mean, there won't be anything like this anywhere else in the country. (laughs) And so in in that context, we're, we're being our own, uh, you know, we're, we're contributing and being community builders, as you said, off the top. And that feels pretty good too for a young business. So the response (laughs) has been, been great. And, you know, listen, it's, it's a truckload of work. I can't even tell you. And Bob Hunter's done an amazing job, but we're going to get across the finish line. And when we do, it's going to be amazing. I, I, Quite often when it's most difficult, I think about myself standing in that building opening night. I think about the place full for, you know, our first Toronto Defiant or Call of Duty Ultra match. I mean, it'll be a special moment in my career when we crack the doors on that place. And uh, in the same way as it was when we opened up the doors in the Air Canada Centre, I know exactly where I was standing when we dropped the puck for the first game. Mm -hmm. I know exactly where I was standing the first night in the venue and when we tipped the ball for the first time. And I'm going to have that again with my colleagues here. 
That's awesome. I mean, I, I, that's that's such a special feeling to have when when a venue opens up for the first time and you're right there to witness it. I mean, here in ta- here in, da- in Dallas, we had the, uh, the the Rangers open up their new ballpark, and I was right there in the media access, being like, "Yep, that, yeah. this is weird. This is the the weirdest feeling." But I I enjoy that kind of uh, uh, you know situation and that to, to be in that moment is is something special. So I know for you. Well, it's still a good long while away, roughly four years this or so. But once you get there, I, I guarantee you it'll feel a little bit more special because you helped put it together and help build it and, and everything and kind of from the ground up from scratch. Like I mentioned, you guys kind of had to uh, really start from the bottom to really get to that point, which is a great thing to see. And so I guess uh, in four years, you're hosting events and all that. How much I mean, how much preparation are you guys going through in terms of putting together that team to lead this venue? I know you're looking for a partner still and in, in terms of getting this venue uh, operated and, and and the likes, but are you putting together some kind of events team, some kind of uh, maybe a third party to help garner that, that confidence you guys need to host these events? Yeah. So from the very beginning, we've been engaged with a number of conversations, you know, experienced leaders in the space of venue operation and booking strategy and so on. Um, you know, uh, there are really, in my estimation, three in the world, you know, there's Anschutz Entertainment, ASM, of course, uh, there's Tim Lewicki and the great Oakview group, you know, and what he's been building over the last three or four years with um, Irving. Um, and there's, of course, Live Nation and uh, all of those groups are familiar to us and all of them have had a hand in informing the strategy and helping us think hard about what the opportunity would be. So um, we're still working away at that. Again, I would imagine that, you know, whichever or whichever combination of those that I just mentioned we come together with. Um, we'll, uh, we'll bring most of that talent and most of that perspective on how we do this best and most efficiently for the business. But again, uh, if you're going to be a world leading facility, you need to be partnered with a world leading operator. And, uh, we're in good shape at this moment, I think to, to make that a reality for us. For sure. And so obviously you mentioned earlier as well that you uh, you were looking at other venues, kind of seeing how they did things. And so, I mean, I'm sure not just looking at specifically esports venues, you're also looking at general entertainment venues, concert venues. I mean, how are you looking at how they operate, how they attract audiences and how they market themselves? How does that all kind of in your head, you're yeah. kind of taking notes. How does that kind of affect your outlook on the venue you're, you're building? Yeah. Um, so some, you know, some of the vision that we're bringing to it is I like to think original. I mean, now, some in the context of the venue business, there's no such thing, I suppose, as an original idea. And particularly, you know, where Populous is doing such a, a, an immense amount of work all over the world. And of course, um, it's logical that you would have access to best practices and design and, and, you know, crowd movement and all those things. So, again, one of the strengths of being partnered with somebody like Populous in those ways. Um, but I think the rest of it comes in the curation of the content and the experience. And those are things we're talking about regularly. We're not there yet. But you know, uh, we certainly think a lot about being a lowest net cost producer for the music and entertainment act that rolls into the market. I want to be able to compete head to head for every act that rolls into the city. I want them to think long and hard before they commit to going back to Scotiabank Arena to play again. I want them to consider the experience that we can create for them and for their fans in our place. So again, we're not opening this venue so that we can pick up, you know, the hundred conflicted nights a year that, you know, the Leafs and Raptors are playing. We're building this venue so that we can compete every day for all the acts that land to the market. Um, to do that, we're going to need to separate ourselves in terms of, again, how we produce that event on a low net cost basis for the act. We're going to need to think about how we separate the experience and what they get when they arrive to our facility for the fans and for the act. 
Um, so we're, you know, as you can imagine, we're thinking about what fiber technology is going to mean to the performance of the facility, what the backbone needs to be and the pipe needs to be for efficient and, and best practice around broadcast. Uh, you know, what are the applications that can be driven out of it uh, around 5G and other platforms to, um, to build out wonderful AR and VR experiences and 5G enabled experiences on the mobile device? It just goes on and on. So the strategy that we're applying is to be engaged in talking to the biggest partners and the people that with the greatest level of expertise in all the ways I've just described. We'll make decisions late as we can in uh, how we're going to you know, curate that experience using and leveraging technology. Uh, we'll make those decisions late so that, you know, again, when you open the door, you want to be as relevant as you can be. To, for that to be true, you need to make those decisions late so that you're the latest and greatest with that delivery. So we'll try to, to manage all that. But all this to say, um, we really want to work hard to create an experience that is, uh, you know, high touch and, um, and with a, a strong eye to creating experience that others can't deliver. And we think if we can do that, we can be successful in the, in the business context, of course, and always have a sustained kind of position with the, with the greatest access land of the market. For sure. I'm sure you'll, you'll learn a lot of things along the way as you kind of figure out what experience and how experiential you want this all to be for, for fans and for, for people visiting. And of course, uh, you know, it's, it's, I wish you the best of luck in that way because that's, that's, that's a, it's a long time to learn and relearn a few things that you kind of have to focus on moving forward. And so obviously you've got the venue, you've got the two teams in place. You're going to kind of uh, figure out how to geographically, uh, you know, put them there. And of course it's, it's a lot of stuff happening for you guys, but really what's, what's next for overactive media? You got venues, you got teams. What's the next step for overactive media in terms of just how they grow? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We, uh, we think of our business, uh, in really three strategic pillars. Um, and I'll, I'll put a little color on that for, um, you know, we take our origin obviously in our esports investments in these franchise leagues. And I say it quite specifically that way. Our, our investment in these franchise leagues is quite deliberate and intentional. We believe that the franchise leagues are the most sustainable model in esports today. And that, you know, if you're, if you're not in the business of owning teams and franchises, um, then you're owning teams to play for prize money and hoping you can drag some sponsors along. And it's like the equivalent of building a business around playing poker for a living or betting a horse every weekend. It's just to us, uh, it can be great fun, but we're not sure it's a sustainable business model. So, we're so pleased and proud with the way Activision Blizzard and Riot have built these leagues out. We're so proud to be involved with them. And we're seeing real results already in our business in terms of what those partnerships represent. Um, you know, it's not an easy business to be in. It's difficult to find all things to balance. But we're really, we take, again, great pride in our origins around the esports teams platform. But again, that's not the company we're building. We're not building an esports company. So you know, we think about how we might get into traditional sports one day. We don't exactly know what that might be, but I've had certainly some really interesting conversations about potential for that. And so, you know, as we grow and, and take shape over the next 10 years or so, you know, think of us as certainly an organization that thinks about how we could take all of its learnings, all of its relevance around today's generation of fans and how you build community online and live. Um, how you connect in an authentic way with today's generation of fans and how could we apply that learning to a traditional sports opportunity that's kind of interesting and and fun and of course lends to my experience and the experience of those around me so our team's uh, platform is of course primary the venue of course will open up another opportunity for us and, and again the venue is all at once a home for you know the things we've been describing music and entertainment and esports but 
it's also a great it's a great strategy for um, first party data capture and you know how how can we build a better and more significant understanding of our audience and community and and you know how does that dimensionalize our business in different ways so the venue i think will take us into all matter of things lots of new revenue streams spring from the model and lots of new business opportunities and the other thing i think about in the venue is think about all of what's happening right now on platforms like youtube and twitch mm-hmm. and tiktok think about all the talent those platforms are going to spring i lose probably on average i would say i lose 30 to 40 minutes a day to tiktok right now <laughs> combination of learning how to cook and, uh, and looking in on music talent in particular that's uh, being featured on that platform, and I know it's true on some of the others. So I think uh, the number of live experiences that will spring from these online digital live platforms is really interesting, and uh, we're going to see more of it and more of it as we go along, I think. So I'm really quite compelled by the content that will spring from these virtual platforms and these virtual communities. And then finally, just again in the media and content space, and I would say that's where we're probably spending the most time right now. Um, we have resisted, I would say up to now getting into the streamer space, you know, the, the influencer marketing and streamer marketing around games, um, because it's low margin business. And because, um, again, it, it's not that it's not important because <laughs> our ultra team being a little loud today, <laughs> um, but it, it's not like it's, it's not like it's not important business strategically. It is, you know, in terms of building a brand and, and supporting your teams and building your community around new teams. We get that, but we've had a difficult time making sense of it from a business standpoint in a world where for every hundred dollars you take in, you typically kick out 85, you know, 85 to 90 of it to the streamer, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not, that's a pretty low gross margin business. It's difficult to make sense of it, but we are looking for opportunities in, in those ways and different opportunities to build out our own media channels and so on. So that's a lot of our focus and time and attention right now. And then the last thing I would just say is, um, you know, we're thinking broadly. Again, we build, we're building a global business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, today we're based here in Toronto, of course, and I'm talking to you from our Red Bull studio. And we've got 16,000 square feet here in Liberty Village, which is just a fabulous part of town and, and really great fun um, and well suited to our demographic. You know, the, the cohort of young people that live within 10 blocks of this place is just amazing in the city. Um, but in our future, our global headquarters will be in our venue, of course, and, and there's lots of opportunity and we've carved out a lot of space in the plan for us and, and for our players and teams and colleagues. We've got business in Madrid and we're operating our LEC team in Berlin. And we certainly have spent time thinking about, you know, what's, what's emerging in the far East and Asia and certainly lots happening, lots of energy emanating from the Middle East as well and mobile gaming. And so, Again, I would tell you we've spent the last year and a half looking at all matter of things literally all over the world. And, um, you know, we're not ready to take on all of it just yet. But again, we're building a global company. And so we're doing we're executing that vision uh, with intention most every day, every week. So I asked you a big picture question. You gave me a big picture answer, and I appreciate that. I know it's, it's a lot to kind of take in all at once. It's a global uh, economy that we kind, of have, we kind of have to focus on. And so I appreciate you kind of giving us a, a little bit of an outlook on what you guys have planned for the future, what you guys are looking into at the very least. And so I'll be following along with not just with the venue, but also with Overactive Media and what they, they delve into next. I know uh, at Overactive GG is where you guys are. And so uh, what other president slash CEO is like right there watching one of the teams practice right in front of their eyes at the Red 
Red Bull Studios. That's that's impressive right there, Chris. Uh, listen, these guys are in for just a couple of weeks. It's been really fun, actually. <laughs> have you got two more minutes? I'll tell yeah, you go for it. Yeah. So, look, these um, these guys are great. We watched them have such a great season last year. And, um, you know, they're right here in our backyard along with Defiant. But these guys are here for a couple of weeks on, on training camp. And it's been really, wa- really great to watch their intention and resolve. Like, they were disappointed in themselves. They didn't get across the line with FaZe. It went eight maps, as you might yeah. recall. and. And uh, it was great. It was a great run for them. And they had a great season. And this is a great story. And we've got every one of them back, right? They, they've all signed to come back. And we've got them here. And they're, they're boot camping right now. And, and uh, they've got very clear intention. Like, they, they want to compete. They, you know, they know that they're going to have to find another level to beat FaZe and Dallas and Optic. And, uh, well, I guess now both. But, you know, <laughs> they, they've, got, they've got intention which is really cool. And I'm watching them grow personally and, and I'm watching the great chemistry they enjoy as a team and, and they're fun. They're funny. You know, so it, it's cool to be here with them and they'll stay here for another couple of weeks and then they'll all go home and get some well-earned time with family and friends. But uh, you know, they have a championship attention this year and uh, I love the way it's manifesting and in, in their energy and the way they're carrying themselves. So we'll see. Let me tell you as, as a fan of, of a team in baseball that came close twice the Rangers coming close twice 10 years ago, that was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. But to see yeah. you guys win it again, that would, that would bring serious joy to my heart to see you guys win it again. So I wish you the best of luck, of course, and with, with the, not just with the team, with the venue, with all the future endeavors you guys have planned at Overactive Media. So thank you, Chris, for taking time out of your day. Uh, at Chris Overholt on Twitter, I believe it is. So just in case you okay. want to catch up with him there and see how he's uh, uh, progressing with the venue and the team and the, the organization as a whole, follow him there. And so, Chris, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I Again, best of luck with the team, best of luck with the venue, and uh, we can't wait to get you back on the show to talk about all the, all the great things happening at Overactive. Thanks, Kevin. We really appreciate your interest in, in us, and uh, we'll stay connected for sure. We're here for you anytime. Sounds great. Chris Overholt, President and CEO of Overactive Media, and I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast. Woo!